Welcome to Lorica, the podcast of Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. St. Patrick's is a parish in the Antiochian Orthodox Christian Archdiocese of North America, serving the Western Rite. Father Patrick is also the administrator of the Orthodox West. All of us here today in this assembly, we have all, everyone, come forth from God. He brought us into being by his word, and we proceeded forth from him. We were set in motion upon a course towards our perfect completion as human beings. Being in motion, the question we ask this morning is, what direction are we headed towards that perfection, towards our full humanity? Now, if we think of creation, of our creation as God somehow maybe throwing us into existence and thus propelling us towards some goal, the image that we should have is not of God throwing a ball, per se, but of God throwing a boomerang. The divinely caused trajectory of our existence is actually meant to be an arc which comes back to the source. We who came forth from God must return to God. And if we do not return to God, we will be lost in a wilderness of wandering existence. Now this beautiful life that we have received is only fulfilled, only perfected, We are made fully human only when we return to God and when we offer our whole self to him as a living sacrifice of praise. There are, I think, three special events in our lives which stand out as significant opportunities in which we mark our return to God. Baptism, weddings, and funerals. One day Jesus was passing through Samaria on his way to Jerusalem and on his way encountered ten lepers. Samaria represents for us the land of impurity and the fallen world and these ten lepers represent the disease of sin spread through the totality of humanity. As Jesus approached, they perceived something within themselves, a spark, caused them to somehow know that their maker, their very maker, approached. And they knew somehow that the one who made them could restore them. And so they cried out for mercy. And that very same word, which had spoken them into existence, spoke again and said, Go, show yourself to the priest. And as they went forth from him, they were healed. And one of the ten, just one, realized that he had been healed and he returned to Jesus and he fell down and he worshipped and he glorified the Lord. Jesus answered and said to the one returned, he said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God? And he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has saved you. Jesus sent forth all ten, and they were all healed, but only one returned to God, and only one was saved. 
All things have come forth from God, but only those things which return to God and offer themselves as a sacrifice of worship will be saved. Our first return to God after we have been thrust into this existence is baptism. Children are a gift which come forth from the Lord. And upon receiving them, what do we do? Immediately we return to the church and we offer them back to God in the font of baptism. One significant act in the rubrics of the baptismal rite consists in the parents handing over their child to the godparents, to the sponsor. This is a very important but maybe small symbol of the parents giving back their child to the church represented by the godparents. God gave the child to the parents, but the parents must immediately give the child back to God. And then God gives the child back to the parents for a very, very few short years. Until one day the parents give the child away again, just as we are doing today. Your life, your life was returned to God in your baptism, whether that happened when you were an infant or an adult. It is not your own. It was given back to God from where it came. And every time you step into a church and anoint your body with the holy water, it is a sign of you renewing your baptism, of you returning again and again and again throughout this life to God. We live our whole lives continually returning to God, worshiping Him with the sacrifice of our very own lives, until one day, one day the appointed day that comes for all of us, when all those little returnings throughout our lives, all those small offerings of ourselves, culminate in the very consummate return of man to God through a holy death, at which time the sum total of a life is brought to God by the angels of heaven, and God receives this life as pleasing and acceptable. At the very beginning of our life, so we return in baptism, and at the end of this earthly life, our return is consummated in a holy death. This life and all its events, really, this whole life is about our death. This is not morbid for the Christian, because for us, it is a holy death. For us, it is a glorious birth into the eternal kingdom of God. Now, for those who have been called to the sacrament of marriage, this too is a return to God. It is a giving back of ourselves to Him through the self-denial and ascesis that marriage requires. We all come into being as a single individual. That's how we come into this life we have received, as a single individual. But the fact is that we can only return to God with another, as a union. It is impossible, impossible to return alone. We came forth alone, but we must return with another. In fact, to remain alone means to not return to God, by definition. To remain alone means to die, to just limp on in a dark existence. 
Now the union I am speaking of in which we return to God is not marriage per se. Not all get married, but all of us must return to God within a company of others. We go back to God in the union of Jesus' body, the church. This church, a mystical body in which the many have been made one. There is a divine energy and operation at work within the body of Christ, making us one and returning us to God as one body, one people. God's outgoing divine energetic operations, they spread out into all creation. They are multifaceted, multitudinous, layer upon layer of manifestation, and they work their way throughout all created forms and structures. That same divine power and energy that makes the church what it is, the very body of Christ, is also what makes a marriage what it is, a miniature church. Marriage has been created and sustained by the very same energy that creates the church itself. Marriage is an image of the church. Marriage has been called by some a domestic church. The church is one because we have partaken of the one flesh of the Savior. Likewise, in marriage, the same quality of oneness is manifest as a husband and wife cleave to one another and become one flesh, one body. We might put it this way. That which makes the union of a holy marriage is consubstantial, simply, of the same stuff as that which makes the church one body. I often ask couples why they're getting married. Why are you getting married? I ask them. I remember Grant and Emily, I think, they really nailed the question. (laughs) Shout out to Grant and Emily. What's the purpose and meaning of marriage? Marriage is living out domestically the same reality of Christ and his bride. For those who marry, it is the nucleus where our salvation is worked out. It is where we die to self. In this life, marriage is the pivot point of our return to God because we are no longer alone and we are no longer living for ourselves. Now there are secondary blessings and benefits of marriage. Marriage provides us with a partner to help us in the necessary duties and tasks of this life. You know, it's helpful when one spouse knows how to balance the checkbook. Or when one of them remembers always to salt the pasta water when the other one always forgets. It is much easier to put sheets on the bed with two people. Unless the other person is me, who's constantly ripping the sheets, playing around. When one is down, the other is up. Marriage provides companionship to stave off loneliness, the joy and comfort of physical touch, words of encouragement. But all of these good things are really in a different category, all good, but in a different category than the vital purpose of marriage. If we look primarily to marriage simply for a co-laborer or companionship or comfort or even for physical desire, we will end up depleting our marriage. 
We will be asking it and our spouse to supply what they cannot. Frustration will eventually set in and give way to contention and strife. But if we apply what we know about being a member of the body of Christ and the church to our marriages, then we will enjoy the fruit of a holy union. Marriage is our opportunity to humble ourselves, to forgive, to practice reconciliation, to give instead of take, to sacrifice, to offer ourselves to another, to have someone else's best interest at heart. In short, it is our opportunity to love. Marriage is about helping you to be a Christian. It is an acute opportunity to live out your baptism. It is a return to God in preparation for your ultimate return to God in a holy death. Now, that may not sound very romantic, but it is the only way to supply what romance seeks. The goal of romance is intimacy, our deepest desire. And not just with our spouse, our deepest desire with God, with our fellow humans, and with our spouse is intimacy. The joy of intimacy in marriage is a special manifestation in this life of the intimacy we seek with God. It is a particularly sweet fruit of holiness. Often the failure of intimacy in a marriage is because we are seeking intimacy through subjective and emotionally driven insecurities through rather a pseudo-romance. But the way, the path to intimacy is the way I've described marriage. It is as a little church, as a monastery, as a domestic gym, a spiritual domestic gym, where you work out your salvation through the sacrifice of love. If you approach your marriage in this way, you will discover true intimacy. And you will be joined to your spouse as one flesh. And you will together return to God in and through the very love that exists between you. That is true romance. That is true romance. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been listening to Father Patrick Cardine pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. This has been a production of the Orthodox West.